Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Reunion at Collinsville Creek by Alvin B. Labar The doctor sighed wearily. Your boy's legs have got to be exercised for at least an hour a day if he's ever to walk again. Mother slumped against the door. Where could she find the money for such treatments? For that matter, how would she get me, only six years old then, to the rehabilitation center even if she had the money? Our small Tennessee town had been hard hit by the Depression. We had moved there after the bank auctioned off our Virginia home when Mother could no longer make the payments. The only place she could find for us to live was a tiny apartment over the town bar. Then, as if money problems weren't enough, a polio epidemic swept through the community. Houses all over town wore the forbidding red quarantine sign by their front doors, and now there was one by ours. When the doctor had gone, Mother left immediately for the small rural hospital across town. "'I'm sorry, Mrs. Bannon,' the nurse told her. "'Our rehab facilities are already overloaded. The few children we are accepting must be able to travel here for therapy.' Perhaps you'd like to put your son's name on our waiting list. Mother turned away then, tears blinding her eyes, and stumbled out the door. An office clerk, who'd overheard the conversation, dashed into the street after her. Wait, Mrs. Bannon, please, she panted, catching up. You heard what the nurse said, Mother lifted a tear-streaked face. There's no help for my boy. The clerk put an arm around Mother. It's only an idea, but I think it will work. My nephew Matt is only twelve but he's old for his age and good with kids. I just know he could learn those exercises and come by your house several times a week to help your boy. She paused, looking anxiously into Mother's face. Children do learn from each other, you know. And that's how Matt Daly became my physical therapist. As far as I could tell, his only credentials were that his aunt worked at the hospital. After the county nurse gave him a few basic instructions, he came by after school three times a week. I was very young then, and my memories of that time are mostly shadowy recollections, but I remember Matt gently coaxing my legs to respond, whispering little made-up rhymes to ease the long, painful exercises. With infinite patience, he'd stretch my stiffened muscles again and again until I was nearly exhausted, then he'd quickly catch me before I fell. When we were through for the day, he'd carry me out to the kitchen and pour each of us a glass of milk. Before lifting the glass to his lips, Matt would always bow his head in silent prayer. Eight months later, Mother and I had to move once more. By this time, because of Matt's persistence, I was able to stand and could even manage one or two shaky steps. In time, I would recover almost completely. In the years that followed, we rarely spoke of that desperate time. Maybe it was too painful to remember. Or maybe we were simply too busy trying to keep alive. Many years went by. And on a visit to the south, I found myself less than 100 miles from that small town where I had taken my first faltering steps to regain the use of my legs. Suddenly, I knew I had to find Matt Daly. There wasn't much information to go on. All I really had was a name and our old address. The red-haired man at the counter of Purdy's General Store didn't know a Matt Daly, but suggested that I talk to an old-timer who lived a few doors down the block. When I arrived, the old man was seated comfortably on his front porch reading the newspaper. He cupped a hand behind one ear. Matt who? he yelled in response to my question. Daly, I repeated. Well, no, can't say I know the name. You say Daly? Now, wait a minute. There's a fellow named Matt who still lives somewhere around here. Used to work at the mill. 
He scratched his chin as he thought. Retired some months back. Said he was feeling poorly. Don't know his last name, though. Hold on. He opened the screen door and shouted inside. Aggie? Yeah, a voice responded from within. What's Matt's last name? Who? Matt, you know, the fellow who just retired from the mill. He came by here a while back. Lives down near the McCullen Tract. Always wears a big old hat. Keeps pretty much to himself. What's his last name? I don't know, Aggie yelled. Ain't it Taylor or something? Might it be Daly? That's right. Yes, that's what it is. What do you want to know for? The old man pushed his paper aside and stood up. There's a man here looking for him. A large woman appeared at the door holding a towel. Well, if it's the mat I'm thinking of, you won't find him at home this time of day. Not with fishing season open. Aggie's right, the man agreed. He'll be fishing down at Collinsville Creek. You driving? I nodded. He pointed down the street. Well, take this road as far as you can and then bear right and go until you can't go no farther. That'll be the creek. You'll find him there. The creek was actually a branch of the Roanoke River and was the size of a small lake. As I parked my car, I spotted a man pulling his skiff ashore. You'll probably find Matt Daly at the edge of the creek near the Twin Oaks, this man told me. If he's in his spot, you can't miss him. I walked for what seemed like a mile along a narrow path, finally coming out in a clearing. A man wearing an over-large, floppy rain hat sat on a flat rock at the creek's edge. His back was toward me as he worked over some fishing tackle. I watched him in silence for a few moments. Then the bending figure straightened and turned around, looking at me quizzically. Slowly, he placed his rod on the ground and removed his hat, revealing wisps of thinning gray hair. I stared as he moved toward me. As he walked, he dragged a lame right foot. For the first time, I realized that Matt Daly had been a polio victim himself. My mouth went dry. I groped for words, trying to connect pieces of the past, explaining who I was and why I was there. He listened silently. Then, nodding, he suddenly grasped my arm, pulling me forward. Remember? he laughed. Course I remember! I stooped and gathered up his fishing gear. Together, we began the long walk back. The story you have heard today is from Guide's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.